like to thank the people that are here to support this bill. Where y'all at? Okay. And I also would like to give thanks to all these petitioners, because we actually consulted the people in the neighborhood. We got there, you know, we wanted to know how they felt about what was going on in their communities. Unlike a lot of these agencies, we actually consulted the people in the communities, okay? And we got almost a thousand names uh, on these uh, petition forms. Some of them are still out. So, and what the petition says is, to, to Mayor Pugh, the Baltimore City Council, Governor Hogan, the Maryland State Legislature, and the U.S. Congress, yes, I agree that we should, one, end the displacement of people from their neighborhoods and end the destruction of their communities just to give land and taxpayer subsidies to developers and investors. Two, introduce the 1% interest renovation slash rebuilding loan dollar house dollar lot program because the house will be built from the ground up for the individual citizen as a fairest way to ensure funds earmarked for the community are used to help the people who actually live there with training, jobs, and home ownership. Number three, end the destruction of the remaining affordable housing stock in Baltimore, a city with a documented lack of affordable housing. I've seen people walking around the street scared to death. But you know what? If they live in a decent house, that they will eventually have a deed to, they straighten up their back. They have a little bit of pride. If you see those brothers slinging on the corner, if they had a trade, they could know how to go and make a decent living and not have to run from the police. We have a murder rate of almost 300 young people in this city. Suppose somebody gave a tenth of them a job where they could take a paycheck to the bank and cash it for real dollars. And suppose me, a 68-year lady, doesn't have to worry, I got to get out of here before it gets too dark. Do you hear me? Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is real simple. Help the brother that's trying to help the rest of us. We got his back. And if you play your cards right, we'll have your back. We've got to be the, the, the lightning rod in this nation because every urban city in this country, through conspiracies, find themselves with thousands of abandoned houses. Don't tell me that's not by design. We've got to break out of that genocidal approach to people who want to live and have a right to, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Let there be no doubt. Justice delayed is justice denied. And welcome back to another exciting edition of the Call Tyrone Show. And I'm your humble host, Tyrone Boast, here to give you a more informative outlook of things and events in our community. And it's my pleasure to have you once again as one of the smartest audiences in Baltimore uh, listening to my show. Okay, a lot have uh, has a lot of stuff has transpired since the last time we were here, and um, you know a number of things. First of all, before I get started, I wanted to talk about uh, the um, I want to talk about the omnibus crime bill. I want to talk about um, the murder rate and the omnibus crime bill. Back in the nineties, and then this is about not being panicked because they say that. Uh, 
um, you will give up your freedom in order to feel safe. Okay. As a matter of fact, the only reason you will give up your freedom is uh, so that you can feel safe. So if somebody can convince you, if they they got to first convince you though, but if they can convince you that they can make you safe, then you will give up your freedom. And people understand that. People that are manipulative, people that are in power, they understand that crises are to be used for a reason. And you can't let any, uh, I think it's Ron Emanuel said, you don't let a good crisis go to waste. And so right now they're saying we haven't, we're having a crime crisis where we're having 300 murders a year. Again, this is an awful thing. We shouldn't have no murders. I'm not supporting crime. I'm not supporting um, murder in Baltimore. I think it's an awful thing. Um, but what I'm saying is that we should not panic. We had 300 murders a year um, uh, from 1989 to uh, 19, uh, from, I'm sorry, from, from uh, yeah, about 1989 to about 1999. We had more than, plus of 300 murders a year. <coughs> sorry. And the reason we're having it again is because nothing's changed. Our, our policing policies have not changed. Um, we still do things pretty much the same way we did them uh, in regards to policing. We, um, uh, uh, J- Jason, uh, get, let's let's do the uh, policing strategy of Baltimore City. And this is what the policing strategy of Baltimore City has been since I've, I've been here in, in Baltimore. And I'll, I'll just keep talking while you play it. Um, we look at policing in simplistic terms, where there are things that have been proven to work, such as the jobs program. And uh, things of that nature. And um, they have been shown to actually reduce crime. We've had a judge, uh, I don't have her name available right now, but she's actually had a program where she was sentenced uh, some of the people to uh, work, work programs. And she found that she reduced recidivism by 6% by simply um, sending them to... uh, um, uh, not, not often. I, 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 okay, just hold, just hold for now. She was able to reduce uh, the the violent crime rate to six percent simply by uh, incorporating that um, that work program, where she was actually sentencing them to work as opposed to sentencing them to jail. And um, so, uh, uh, by by doing so, um. She um, uh, was able to go under the, the Maryland. The Maryland recidivism rate is like sixty-eight uh, percent for recidivism. That means you're back in. You got two, two, two-thirds of the people that come out go back in within five years or, or three years. I forget what it is, but they go back in. Sixty-eight percent of them go back in. But in her program, they found that only six percent went back in because she was sentencing them to work. You had to go to work, you know, and have a job where you could support yourself. And um, so she was able to uh, to to uh, lower the recidivism rate to six percent as opposed to six eight percent, and that's almost a ten times uh, fold. So that shows you that work, as we've been saying, work is related to whether or not you recidivate, um, et cetera. And it's not just simply a matter of just locking people up because people people crime is socioeconomic in nature. So people are committing these crimes in order to survive in a lot of in a lot of cases. Um. So what I want to do right now is um, uh, let's 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 do um, let's talk about what does a criminal record mean, and because a lot of these neighborhoods, and and that is number sixty four, Jason. Because a lot of these neighborhoods, um, you have people with criminal records. A lot of them have criminal records, and that impedes their ability to get work, and so that leads back to them being in the, the uh, criminal justice system. So what I what I generally do, people, is I share my research, and I don't talk to people that don't know what they're talking about. I'd rather talk to somebody that's been a convict or been in the system 
than talk to somebody that's supposed to be an expert that's never been in those neighborhoods, never been incarcerated, et cetera. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to let Jason bring that up. So you you work you work at um at a furniture store, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, but you're trying to better yourself. You've been yeah. to um, all these different programs. Yeah. Like what? I've been into uh, job readiness, uh, pre-release. I did uh, parenting. I did anger management. I got certificates for all these too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's about it. All the programs that I did. Right. And you, and, and you, what were they telling you about test cars, what they were saying about? Oh, I was trying to get into test cars about uh, trying to get into an electrician right. program. Trying, trying, to trade. Get, trying to get me an electrician trade. Right. And they told me that because of my record, that they could send me to school, I'd be able to go to school for the trade or whatever, but I wouldn't get a job in. How do they know? Uh, I don't know. That's what they told me. So, so they was telling me that I would have to get my record expunged and all that. But by you having felonies on your record, and you have to wait seven years for the felony to be... Then it's not even... To get it off your record, you still have to ask, can you get it off your record? Right. You have to get it pardoned by the governor. So basically, <laughs> so basically yeah, I didn't look it up and everything. So after seven years, you have to wait. When you have a felony record, you have to wait seven years. Then you have to write a letter to the governor to ask him, can they, can they be removed off of your record? You get what I'm saying? Right, right. And, then it's, and he got to decide if he want to do it. And then he had to With staff. Yeah. Exactly. And then I, then I found out there's something about... Uh, uh, the thing of two things I've learned about uh, getting your record expunged is something about getting it expunged and getting it sealed. And your record, if you get your record expunged, people can still look at your record and see what's on it. But then if you have a thing called getting it sealed, then nobody can look at it regardless of what what past or whatever. Right. Happened. So you gotta do both. Exactly. Really, if you exactly. wanna make it. Exactly. So that's basically a benefit. You know, black man trying to get stuff together. But then is the then it's the problem of all right now. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. So what do you say to people that say, oh, people with felonies get jobs? What you talk about? It's all kind of people you get. I hear people say that. They used to say all type of people getting jobs, but they're not the jobs that people want. Exactly. They're not the type of jobs that right. you're going to be to so, support your family. So, off right, exactly. You so, know what I'm you can barely support yourself off of one, off of one job, basically. Now, mm-hmm. Everybody, if you really think about it, because our economy is, the price is going up, you need two, three jobs just to survive. Got that right. You get, you get I need one job because I didn't have no felonies. I was lucky enough. Now, I didn't even because... I ain't never did none. This is I never got caught. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's different. And that's where, where a lot of people at. They've been knowing stuff. They just ain't got caught. You better believe that, man. So don't think people is pure. Um, but um, so so what do you think can be done to, to, to help young black men that, that have these together? Got trouble when they're young. A lot of a lot of problems is not the it's not the lack of information. It's a lack of assistance. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And yeah, anybody can tell you, oh yeah, you gotta go do this. Right, right, right. Yeah, I can go do it, but I still need, I need this when I get there. They say right. I need this. Right. I need this when I get there. All right. But you didn't I, I, have, I, have, I have nothing. What, what am I gonna do? Right. I, it's just me. All I have is my drive. Right. So what am I supposed to do? And you get out of jail, then what? What they give you when you get out of jail? Twenty dollars. Fifty dollars. <laughs> Twenty dollars is hack money. Okay, yeah, you're right. You gotta think gas prices went up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Twenty dollars is hack money. So, so you get out of prison now. They, you they you on your own. All right, see you later, buddy. Y'all, you got thirty dollars. So you on your way back, probably, right? <laughs> they know that. All right, brother. It's a, All right. It's a repeat cycle. I just can't get okay, so as you see, um, we need to incentivize people. You know, and this young man, he's working, striving hard to stay out of the system, and uh, as a result of his uh, uh, mistakes that he made. And he said that he started selling drugs because his siblings were hungry and he felt like he had to step up because, um, the, you know, he was the oldest and he felt like the man. So he had to step up, step up and be the man. 
So he ended up getting himself in a series of trouble and getting hooked up with the with the drug cartels, as we do in these communities. And um, he ended up getting himself in a lot of trouble. Um, so um, that that's the, that that's had he found sufficient employment to keep him and his siblings fed, maybe a youth uh, works program, you know, maybe a summer job, which the summer job is now five weeks instead of the 10 weeks I used to work when I was a kid and I had a, a year-long uh, youth work project. They're five weeks now, people. And we wonder why we have squeezy kids. Well, squeezy kids are a result of you turning 4,500 kids away from summer jobs. They don't just come from nowhere. They don't just blossom out of the ground like tulips. They come from uh, we, us not having an effective youth work uh, program, and that, and that's the price we pay. So we need to start um, looking at these effective ways to reduce uh, crime. So let's, let's see what um, – and the way to do that is through the electorate, I think. So we got to get people in here as willing to fight, not just for the developers and the um, – and the, the big, you know, subsidized wealth, but also help people in the communities to, to do better for themselves. Um, and, and subsidize people that are willing to strive and do what they need to do to stay out of trouble. Help them, too. Um, so let's go to um, uh, Malcolm X. See what Malcolm X had to say about um, uh, our elective system. That's number 67. And then voting intelligently. Because Malcolm was, was um, when he came back from overseas, he was into actually, uh, you know, voting intelligently. And uh, and he also had Muslim Mosque Incorporated, which was a religious party. He had two different organizations. One was a political action organization, and the other one he started was a uh, was his religious organization. But let's see what he had to say. He articulated it a lot better than I possibly can. So let's go to sixty-seven, Jason. Of the newly founded uh, Muslim Mosque Incorporated, which has its offices in the Teresa Hotel, right in the heart of Harlem. That's the Black Belt in New York City. And. When we realize that Adam Clayton Powell is a Christian minister, he's the, he has the Abyssinia Baptist Church, but at the same time he's more famous for his political struggling. And Dr. King is a Christian minister in Atlanta, from Atlanta, Georgia, or in Atlanta, Georgia, but he's become more famous for being involved in the civil rights struggle. All of these are Christian ministers, but they don't come to us as Christian ministers. They come to us as fighters in some other category. I'm a Muslim minister. The same as they are Christian ministers, I'm a Muslim minister. And I don't believe in fighting today in any one front, but on all fronts. Islam is my religion, but I believe my religion is my personal business. It governs my personal life my personal morals and my religious philosophy is personal between me and the God in whom I believe just as the religious philosophy of these others is between them and the God in whom they believe and this is best this way were we to come out here discussing religion we'd have too many differences from the outstart and we could never get together as I say if we bring up religion we'll have differences we'll have arguments we'll never be able to get together but if we keep our religion at home keep our religion in the closet keep our religion between ourselves and our God but when we come out here we have a fight that's common to all of us the, the time the time when white people can come in our community and get us to vote for them so that they can be our political leaders and tell us what to do and what not to do is long gone. By the 
same token, the time when that same white man, knowing that your eyes are too far open, can send another Negro into the community, get you and me to support him so he can use him to lead us astray, those days are long gone. Okay, so that was the late, great Malcolm X. That wasn't Denzel Washington playing Malcolm X. That was the real Malcolm X speaking. And, uh, you know, he what he was speaking on was voting, voting intelligently. Um, and um, what was the, the, his famous speech, uh, um, The Ballad of the Bullet. So, um, now, and I know there's people saying that we probably shouldn't vote, but um, if they're smart than Malcolm X, I might tend to listen to them, but I doubt if there's anybody around here that's smart. So I'm not even getting to telling people not to vote. By any means of imagination, because if you think they're not listening to us now, you know, stop voting, you know, and see what you get. Um, the other thing is um, w- there's no magic bullet, people, to stop crime. I got into a lot of hot water because I questioned uh, a program last week. And um, so let's let's find out what happens when you um, when you start using technology over the overuse of technology. We're going to start exploring that and what can potentially happen um, when um as I said with this omnibus crime bill, you had people um, demanding of Bill Clinton that they that they reduce the violent crime and and you know all they went to they went to D.C. they wanted to reduce violent crime, but what what happened was you had people getting locked up for marijuana possession and things of that nature. You had more people arrested for for marijuana possession, possession not not dealing than all the violent crimes combined after that omnibus crime bill, which was written by um, Joe Biden, was passed. People didn't understand that. The police could be racist in their application of these things, and uh, and that's what ended up happening. They used those drug laws against us as a as a means of social control, which is what the war of drugs is. Anyways, the answer to the civil rights movement, people, is a means of social control, and it creates uh, mass incarceration. And at one time, they had eight hundred thousand people in jail for marijuana possession alone. And uh, by the way. The um, jail population was around 800,000 before the war on drugs. As the war on drugs, it was like 2.3 million. Okay, more than China, more than Russia, and other repressive regimes. So let's talk about let's talk about things that could happen, you know, potentially when these things get out of control, when we want things to control. Let's go to um, uh, 69, Jason, and we're going to set the tone for um, what I'm talking about. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> I am a machine. I'll be back. Come with me if you want to live. All right, my man. No problemo. I'm unable to comply. <laughs> you, you said that you'd let me go. I lied. Why the hell did you do that? Because you told me to. I need a vacation. You gonna pay for that? Talk to the hand. But I was bad to the ball. Bad. Warning, warning. Extra terrestrial life arm approaching. Well, well. There. What is he? Check him out. Well, are you going to take all day, you computerized cloud? I had to recheck everything twice, but all physical evidence computes. This is a super android. Super android indeed. He really is a super android. Why isn't he moving? Look at this. What is it? It looks like some kind of control panel. Must have fallen off his belt when he landed. 
Prepare to him. Warning! It is very foolhardy to activate a super android when you do not know if he will be in a good mood or not. Of course he'll be in a good mood. After all, we are saving his life in a matter of speaking. He should be extremely grateful for saving I guess it goes like this. I repeat, warning, warning! Warning! I put beast in one head. Look at one eye! Kill. Destroy. Crush. Kill. Destroy. Ah! Crush. Kill. Destroy. Now, those were extreme examples of uh, technology getting out of control and uh, the overuse and reliance on technology. One of them was the, the um, t- Terminator. Uh, from the Terminator with those uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, I'll be back and all that kind of stuff. What they had is a system of... Uh, uh, something called Skynet that actually kept control over, you know, kept peace and on Earth and all that. But the machines achieved automatic intelligence, and they were able to uh, eliminate the human. They were trying to eliminate the human population because they saw that as their threat. And there's there's been warnings, as a matter of fact, to to uh, the United Nations by people like smart people like Stephen Hawkins against artificial intelligence that they would eventually destroy us. And of course, people won't listen to that, especially rich people. They um they, they want what they want, and they think they're going to always be, you know. On top of things, anyway, if something happens, we lose all our oxygen, do climate change, whatever, they're going to have their own oxygen because they're billionaires. So they can care less about that stuff. And they'll have um, scientists, um, segregated scientists, trying to overrule other scientists that are much smarter in regards to uh, science. Now, the thing that people were, were on me about was was the, um, and I'm just going to come right out and say it, it's, 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 the, uh, it's the drones. Okay, now I have a problem with drones mainly, not, um, I, well, I'm going to call it Eye in the Sky. All right. I have a problem with drones mainly because of my experience in the military um, and the fact that you can actually weaponize them. I don't want pres- I don't want drones flying in the United States of America. And because uh, I've seen the damage, the amount of damage. They're very efficient uh, killing machines once they're weaponized. And um, they can put one right through your chest at five miles out. OK. And they can hide in a, cl- in a cloud bank, wait for you to come outside and put one through your chest. I don't want to see these things. And we've killed over a thousand people overseas. Uh, that had nothing to do with nothing. Children, uh, women, you know, non-combatants. So these things are very, very dangerous. Uh, we don't need that stuff in uh, civilian uh, population. I'm going to read uh, to you uh, um, an article uh, from Sun. It's from Sun Paper, and it was written by um, a faith leader. And it says here, it says, as faith le- leaders here in Baltimore, and as a, as a faith leader here in Baltimore, and as a minister of the gospel, I am sad to see so many clergy supporting mass surveillance of citizens here in Baltimore. Over 7% of Baltimore residents will support controversial surveillance plane poll shows, October 14th. The, the story of people of faith, from subjugation in Egypt to the Roman Empire, mass slaughter of Christian communities, is one of fighting against oppression and one of the most efficient effective tools of any oppressive empire is surveillance. It was used to target innocent Israelites in Babylon, Christians in Rome, and it will hurt innocent Baltimoreans too. The problem with with surveillance is not just theological, though. It is practical. The promise of surveillance is safety, but the only thing it ensures is we will all be less safe. There are no easy answers to the scourge of drugs and crime. It requires all of us to get involved in the communities we live and work to make them safer and more habitable. 
Seating authority to a faceless drone in the sky only serves more quickly uh, to cut the bonds within and between communities. Now, you got to bear with me. I, I can't hardly read this because I'm not, I don't have my right glasses. Instead of wait, instead of washing our hands and saying the plane will fix it, we should spend money to build relationships to our poorest communities, job opportunities for more for our more vulnerable residents, and to create opportunity for hope in our uh, sanctuaries and in our streets. That's that's from uh, Reverend uh, Gray Margiano. Okay. That's a good uh, faith leader. Now, he understands that, as I said before, the key is jobs and jobs opportunities. You can't have people, you have one side of town, you know, downtown being rich and uh, and affluent, and then you got the other side of town being poor and broke. Okay, I'm not against uh, murders being caught, but what I am against is people uh, believing that there's a magic bullet to solve our problems. Now, if you can, um, you're telling me that you're going to catch somebody after they kill me, my my thing to you would be okay. Catch me before they kill me, or, or let's let's just deter me from getting killed at all. Because once I'm dead, I care less. I'm, I'm telling you, whether you catch them or not, and it's too late to do anything about about me. You may save somebody else, but my thing is let's get them out of the lifestyle in the first place. And then we know that that lifestyle leads to to especially drug gangs where you they have rank structures in a lot of these drug gangs, and they may order you to take somebody out. And if you don't do it, you may get taken out. And then once they, once you commit that murder, then they, there's retaliation involved. So a lot of this stuff is related to drugs and drug culture, as, as we've said before. Um, what I would like to do now is, uh, okay, let, let's, uh, let's look at the, uh, the life of a drone operator, 72, from, from Iraq. And again, these things are excellent weapons platforms. And I, again, this is why I don't want to see him employed. Brandon Bryan served for five years as a drone operator in the U.S. Air Force. With his joystick, he engaged in 1,626 killings. In the end, Bryan almost perished himself. I felt like it destroyed my soul for the longest time. If I say that I have a mental issue, if I have a mental problem with, with killing people, it's looked down upon. Like, if you can't do violence while you're in the military, you're a weakling. Like, no one wants to be a weakling. The predator job is inherently cowardly, inherently weak, but you have to make yourselves feel better. It's, it's just a psychological mess. I couldn't escape it at all. I can't hide it. I can't isolate myself because it's just going to end up me being, putting a bullet in my brain. What were your experiences when you spoke out? They call me a traitor. I had people telling me that I should eat a bullet, people telling me I should commit suicide. A former colleague told me that if I was ever in an area where they were flying armed drones and they were told not to take a shot he would shoot me anyway like this was someone that I knew for two and a half years someone that I flew with someone that I that I bore my heart to told me this and I feel betrayed I thought our goal was to like rebuild their country rebuild their democracy and, and, and stabilize their country but that's not the actions that were going on 
some guy off in some other portion of the world who's monitoring the signal's intelligence. And then we have another person in another part of the world monitoring the imagery intelligence. So they're gathering this information and saying, well, this is what's going on here, 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 and here, and we can make this determine this algorithmic determination of the nefarious activity. Like, this person might have called someone who's bad, and then they may, maybe have gone to a location that is known to be like a weapons storehouse, and then they went somewhere else. And, and so they build this kind of picture of who this person is, and instead of you know going in and capturing them or responding when they actually did something violent, they're just like, okay, we've determined this person is a bad person. Let's take them out. Okay, so again, and I know people are saying, oh, they'll never weaponize these things, but they when they first started the seatbelt laws, they said that they won't stop you for a seatbelt. They would stop you for something else first before they would give you a ticket for a seatbelt. Now they can stop you for a seatbelt. Okay, when Social Security cards were first invented, they were saying that, um, or not invented but introduced. They were saying that it was used, and they used to write this on the cards years ago, for Social Security purposes only, for ID for Social Security purposes only, because they didn't want a national ID. You know, people were saying where your papers are at. You know, the United States was afraid of that because of Nazi Germany. So what eventually happened, though, people, is that they. Um, they eventually started using Social Security card for everything, for credit and everything else. So it, it's no longer a thing that's used strictly, and everybody knows this, it has a Social Security card or Social Security number that's used uh, strictly for Social Security. And, um, and then I heard people say, oh, well, you know, what's wrong with a little bit of surveillance? <laughs> Again, okay, they surveilled Dr. King, tried to get him, the FBI surveilled Dr. King, and they, they sent him a letter to commit suicide. Okay, they um, kept bad blood going between um, Elijah Muhammad and uh, Malcolm X. So, you know, they wrote letters pretending to be Malcolm X and wrote letters pretending, pretending to be, be uh, Elijah Muhammad and kept things going to the point where um, uh, I, I believe, I'm, I'm absolutely sure they had a, a hand in uh, the uh, death of Malcolm X, which is one of our great leaders. Because Malcolm X, by the way, had he lived, he was going to take our um, issues not to, he saw them as human rights issues, not civil rights issues, he was going to take it to the United Nations. And I think we would have got more traction with the United Nations and, you know, an embarrassment of the United States during the Vietnam War and other things where we're supposed to be fighting for other people's freedoms. If Malcolm X is as articulate as he was, if he had taken that to the United Nations and then went that route. Um, also, you'll have people saying that, uh, okay, and then you had the 80s with, with uh, Free Ray Rick Ross, where you had the CIA um, importing drugs into uh, crack into the black community to, to um, fund an illegal war. So you have all these things going on, and then you, you'll have people saying, well, they don't do that no more. That was back in the, in the, um, <laughs> in the 60s, you know, and we, you know where, you, where you had uh, Fred Hampton ex basically executed by the FBI in his sleep. But that was back in the 60s. That doesn't happen anymore. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to go to COINTELPRO2.0, uh, um, uh, it's one of the newer ones, Jason. Uh, I'm not. Uh, uh. Hold on a second. Hold on, Jason. I'm trying to enlarge my uh, device here. This what's um what's the title on it? The new code pro and tell. Just hold that. We're gonna bring Gene up. Hey, uh, hey, Tyrone, how you doing today? Hey, Gene, how's it going? I have a question for you. You, you, you know, you mentioned the. Uh, I, mean, I love it when people mention the, the German, the Nazis, and uh, etc. And the papers thing. We had to have papers. But right now, uh, my question to you is: if you don't have a uh, 
a valid ID, a Maryland ID, you you're subject to arrest. Yeah, that's right true. Now. That's true. Now we've <laughs> we've since lost so much track of our, our freedoms. And uh, a lot of people don't even know there's a Bill of Rights, Gene. <laughs> they don't even know it. The first ten amendments to the Constitution. Uh, it's so hard to explain to black people too. Yeah. Are the Bill of, uh, what's known as the Bill of Rights. Yeah, okay. Now let me the, let me finish. The reason okay, why the re- let me finish. The reason why they're in there is because the framers of the Constitution would not even sign that right. until they put the Bill of Rights in there. And what the Bill of Rights does is protect you from the power of the government. Right. The, the framers of the Constitution didn't trust each other. They didn't trust each other with too, power, too much power. So what they did was they insisted that that Bill of Rights was put in there. You gave you freedom of speech, freedom of religion. They gave you uh, freedom to own, own a gun so you can kill the people if they didn't listen to you when you petitioned them. You freedom of yeah. petition and all that. Right. So they wanted to make sure they had devices in place to limit the power of the government because the government has over overwhelming power and resources and if you are pitted against the government you don't stand a chance right you know so that that's why they wouldn't sign it without the bill of yeah. rights you so, we need those things in there yeah so i just want you know again just piggyback on what you're saying is but this keep this is what people i think don't understand is that, don't. that this happened between <laughs> 1776 and 1778 and so that the first 10 amendments of the constitution and we were talking about the the fourth amendment and what do you call it the uh the um Oh, uh, seizures, freedom yeah, well, from seizures, unreasonable searches and seizures. That's the Fourth Amendment. Yeah, yeah and, and um, probable cause, right? Right. But that was in 1778, so they had the forethought to understand that you, you know, if you were uh, accused of something, that you you could, you had to get a warrant from a judge. Right, right. Because this, it, Gene, there's nothing new under the sun. Okay. First of all, we're not going to end all crime because they had crime back in the days of Jesus. Jesus of couldn't end, end all crime. You know, when <laughs> Jesus was on the cross, think about this. When he was right. on the cross, he was hung beside three, uh, two thieves. Right. Okay, so they had crime back then. The, the Good Samaritan was robbed. That's right. why he ended up um, needing the Good Samaritan in, the, in that story. He was robbed and left for dead by robbers. Yeah. So we've had, even when Jesus walked earth, he couldn't stop crime. I know. And, uh, but, <laughs> so you don't expect. We can't expect magic to yeah. just stop crime. But, when, but I'm just but saying, ahead, I think I'm sorry. that, you know, I hear always here. Not only that, oh. Jesus was ex-offender, too. He was arrested and crucified. Yeah. But go ahead. But I, no, I'm just saying that, Crimes you know, Roman government. because uh, people coin the phrase, or they think they're coining the phrase, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, mindset and uh, culture. It's, you know, you have to change the mindset and, and culture. This is nothing new. Like it's nothing new under the sun. No. And uh, the, the experiment that we're dealing with here, you know what I mean, is just an experiment is what it is. Um, you know, so again, you know, I mean, you're right on track. But I just wanted to say that the people do not be caught without out there without a valid ID. They will arrest you right on the spot. And that's in violation of our, our, our precepts of the Constitution in the first place. And we got so far away from that that we don't even understand it anymore. We shouldn't have a national registry where we need papers. Now, we understand about state licenses, right. but you shouldn't be questioned because you don't have the proper papers. Well, okay. Don't go outside. Don't go outside without your stuff. <laughs> yeah, go outside. You're in jail. All right. Thank you, Jim. Call now. Call next week. And uh, before we get to uh, Roderick, Roderick, we're gonna um um hold on, Roderick. We're gonna um go to um the new uh, um Cointel, I mean, seventy one. The FBI targets so-called black identity extremists. The FBI investigated him for domestic terrorism, and he was released earlier this month after U.S. attorneys failed to prosecute him. Balagoon is a founding member of the group's guerrilla mainframe and the Huey P. Newton Gun Club. The groups coordinate meals for homeless people, organize youth picnics, run self-defense classes, protest police brutality, and advocate for the rights of black gun owners. You are opposing individuals who are opposing lethal force 
force, similar to the attack on Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King on COINTELPRO, but there seems to be no report dealing with the Tiki Torch Parade in Charlottesville chanting, Jews will not replace us. Why is there an attack on black activists versus any reports dealing with the alt-right and the white nationalists? Can you answer that question quickly? I'm not aware. Are you planning on investigating that? When was that report completed? In August of 2017. I'm not aware of, I have not studied that report. I ask you to because it's an attack on individuals who are simply trying to petition the government in a redress of grievances. (laughs) That was U.S. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee uh, questioning Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Makia Cyril, your your comments. I mean, look, white supremacists have committed the largest share of domestic uh, extremist-related killings last year. We know that white supremacy and white supremacists represent the biggest domestic threat to the United States. And yet, Trump cut funding to countering violent extremism. Go to 70, Jason. The new uh, um, COINTELPRO. 70. And then we're going to take up, uh, um, uh, uh, well, uh, 71, I'm sorry. 71, the FBI targets so-called black identity extremists. I'm sorry. We end today's show by looking at a leaked to, uh, FBI counterterrorism memo, which claims so-called black identity extremists pose a threat to law enforcement. That's according to Foreign Policy Magazine, which obtained nobody. the document written by the FBI's Domestic Terrorism no Analysis Unit. The memo was dated August days. 3rd, 2017, only days before the deadly white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, where white supremacists, Ku Klux Klan members, neo-Nazis killed an anti-racist protester, Heather Heyer injured dozens more. But the report is not concerned with the violent threat of white supremacists. Instead, the memo reads, the FBI assesses its very likely black identity extremist perceptions of police brutality against African-Americans spurred an increase in premeditated retaliatory lethal violence against law enforcement and will very likely serve as justification for such violence, end quote. Civil liberties groups have slammed the FBI report, warning the black identity extremist designation threatens the rights of protesters with Black Lives Matter and other groups. Many have also compared the memo to the FBI's covert COINTELPRO program of the 50s through 70s, which targeted the civil rights movement. Right. The FBI would never spy on people now because it's bad. Yeah, they'll spy on people. It'll be black people, though. And meanwhile, white extremists can go around killing white women and run them over cars at the very same time they're investigating Black Lives Matter. And uh, it's all harmless, you know. <laughs> that one guy that, that, that first we forced, first brought up, I think he was in jail for like uh, half a year trying to defend his right, you know, to, um, to freedom of speech. And they never even charged him with anything, had to release him because he wasn't guilty of anything. And that's how harmless surveillance is when, uh, when people are fighting for their freedoms and their rights under the Constitution and, and their human rights, uh, you know, in the world courts. So let's go with um, uh, Roderick. Roderick. Hello? Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I was a young man uh, during the time when um, uh, God of Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm X, they had an argument. And I knew back then that the FBI and uh, those other law enforcement agencies, they exploited those differences. They did. They did. Not only that, they would forge letters, pretend to be one or the other, and write to the right. other one to keep the beef going. They wanted that and beef I, to destroy also, that organization. Uh, I studied the uh, ideologies of the Black Panther Party, and and they were infiltrated. The Black destroyed. Panther Party was infiltrated. They destroyed the Black Panther Party. FBI destroyed. And what they would do is a lot of people don't know that the Black Panther Party fed three hundred thousand kids, uh, um, 
a day. Then when they at their, at their heyday, and uh, they were actually formed to fight against Polish brutality. And they also don't know. Let me finish. Let me finish. They also don't know right. that that they help, had health care clinics. You had white people in the Black Panthers because the FBI. It, almost every newspaper editorial about the of the Black Panthers was either written by the FBI or influenced by the FBI. So people were taught that the Black Panthers was just there to hate white people, and that's what they were taught, and that's what the, and that's the only thing they believed. And so they accepted that. They were gullible enough to accept the repression of the uh, Black nationalists. I mean, organizations were, were few, which were basically formed not to hate white people, but to protect our communities, not only from police brutality, but you had organizations like the Black October that would threaten the drug dealers, that you can't sell drugs I remember, here. I yeah. remember all that, I remember. Yeah. And, uh, what I would like to say is that I studied a lot of those philosophies and ideologies in different groups uh, when I was growing up. And I understand now that a lot, the, the, uh, our oppressors, they infiltrate those groups. They put yeah. agents in those groups. Yeah, Fred Hampton, and, uh, um, Fred Hampton's bodyguard, you know who Fred Hampton is, right? Was right, an FBI right. informant. I remember that. He, he gave the FBI the layout to Fred Hampton's house. And the FBI right. were able to give that to the police, local police department, who wanted to kill the black man anyway. And they busted in there. He gave uh, Fred Hampton a, a drug that put him to sleep. They busted him yeah. and killed him to sleep. Now, Fred Hampton had the talent to organize poor whites, gang members, and blacks. He was very articulate, right. and he was very a very powerful speaker, very charismatic. That's why he had to go, because he got poor whites to realize, you know, from Indiana, places like that, to realize that they were being impressed, too, which they are to this day, but they just don't realize it, because they're so busy trying to worry about oppressing us. Along with the, yeah, the, yeah, they the were man. teaching Marxism. They were they were uh, they went to the Marxism Leninism um, ideology and theories about classism. Anyway, I study now with the Hebrew Israelite groups, and you know they call them um, extremists, um, terrorists, and all of that. And I, I'm sure that there's some agents within those groups. So I'm well, conscious of those Israelite groups, even though I believe in what they're teaching. Uh, like one group that I started off studying with, they changed the teachings. And they got paid off, probably. Now they teach a whole different... Right, teach, right. A different That's doctrine. why I try to keep religion, as Malcolm X put it, we try to keep our religion separate from our political ideologies. I mean, because as, as Jesus said, and he's a lot sharper than all of us, um, when they try to trap him, um, should we pay our taxes? He said, whose face is on that coin? Um, Diane. Go ahead, Diane. Good morning. How you doing? Go, um, good morning, Diane. I, you know, I, I love your um, your message. You you do a lot of good research. I mean, and you know what? People don't understand that Patriot, the first Patriot under George W. Bush, was signed. Then the second was signed under, I think, President Barack Obama. Right. Right. And people don't know about their rights being taken away. Right. And that surveillance is one of the things that they were talking about. So if they get it here, we will be the, one of the uh, st- uh, cities at Tuscarora because they exactly. Had it. And Diane, stop mm-hmm. right there. This is what I don't want Baltimore to become—a military testing ground, right? For um for drone surveillance. I don't want that to happen, or any city for that matter. Because once right. you set a president, and you know what a president is, mm-hmm. right? Once you set a legal president that you can run these drones all around the place. Guess what? Some smart guys will say, hey, we can arm these things, you know. Right. I guarantee it. It always works that way. And, you know, I understand that they had it in New York, they had it in California, but when they found out what it was about, they said, oh, no, 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 you know, so they don't have it no more. They're protesting know? in St. Louis about it. Right, and see, and, and that's what we, as African-American people, you know, they was like, oh, you don't want to, um, you, you you just want, you know, people don't, on Facebook don't call me the devil. They say, oh, you want um, our people to still be killed? I said, no, I want y'all to stand up as and, men. And be free, yeah. And, and, and protect that's your what community. We need. We need. You know, 
know, because I need know people what, like mm-hmm. the Black October, the Black, you know, the um, the Nation of Islam. I think they should actually um, supplant the police and get paid to do it, right? Because they are interested in the community, and the police have proven time and time again that they have no concern for our community. And you so, know, if especially they, with these crooked cops, which is the main problem, is these crooked cops. You can't go to the cop and tell them that somebody was murdered. And mm-hmm. then when seventy percent of the crimes are solved by the help of the citizen, because they don't know if the police is working for the drug cartels or not, they right? Won't and snitch on them like they did with the Dawsons. And that's the whole thing about it. We get rid of the little people in the street, but we never get rid of the big, the big people, people. That, exactly. The streets and that stuff. too. And and they go unscathed. And here's the other thing, you know, um, that that um, Poland close that because I got I'm trying to get some okay. You know what? You when you see that. You know that you already know that there's infantry inside of the um, black, you know, the black American thing, whether it's in Baltimore City or another city. You know, we know that they have people, and and I'm glad you talked about the um, the <clears throat> what's the uh, the Black Panthers because the, the school lunches that we got now, that's part of them. The medical assistance, that's part of them, and nobody yep. talks about that. Yep. Story. yep. The only thing they talk about is the Black Panthers. They said um, they want to kill white people, rape white women, all kind of ridiculous stuff. There was no. nothing more than propaganda they that gave, was put out by the FBI. Right. They gave them free health clinic, and that's where Yeah, you we got remember to, that. You right. remember the soul school up on Fremont Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they, you can't BS us with that stuff. Right, and that's where they got the um, medical assistance from, because that was um, them giving That's it. one of their programs, yeah. Right, right. So okay. thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for calling. Call next week. Okay. Okay, we're going to go to um, Ernest, and then I'm going to... Um, okay, before we go to Ernest, let me go ahead and read this real quick. It says here... It says aerial surveillance is not the answer to the city's crime problem. And uh, this is coming out of the sun. Um, and uh, you got to bear with me because I'm trying to read it from my, uh, with these glasses on. Okay, so it says 17 people were shot in Baltimore over the weekend. Four of them, this is this was last weekend, four of them uh, failing. One of the wounded is a two-year-old child who was shot in the stomach and what police are characterizing as an act of road rage. That's reality in the city. So we understand why 72% of, of Baltimore residents, best, desperate for an end to the violence, would tell a poster they support aerial surveillance in the form of multiple planes flying overhead, tracking people on vehicles, uh, particularly when it's described to them as the perfect solution to fix our problems. A rather leading, uh, a, a rather leading poll question oh God, says the program could help solve crimes, would not be abused, as they always say, initially be paid for by a private donor. Um, they're from Texas, uh, billionaires from Texas. I think their names are the Arnolds. What we don't understand is why the city and state leaders and political, nonprofit, and business circles have allowed, and in some cases encouraged, this company's roadshow to continue for so long. It's irresponsible and, frankly, irrational there is no evidence to f- support claims that ohio-based persistent surveillance systems that is its spy planes would that its spy planes would reduce violent crime by 30 percent in year one much less subsequent years one of their planes flew for over 300 hours in 2016 secretly you may you may remember over two periods of time in which there were a hundred murders in Baltimore. How many of those did PSS solve? Definitely none. Definitively none. Sorry for my glasses. In fact, the company offered up information 
connected to just five of those homicides, and only one of those cases resulted in a conviction. We don't even know if PSS helped that happen, but it's a safe bet it did not, because company president Ross McNutt was surely touted if he could. He's been working sections, and he's very charming, by the way. He's been working sections of the city for years now, handing out hope in the form of a slick presentation. We expect that from a businessman who stands to profit handsomely should the city approve his program. We also expect city leaders to do more than shrug their shoulders and let it continue without comment, especially when there is evidence that law enforcement in Baltimore has all but too often abused this power at the expense of the citizens. Civil rights. <clears throat> There's simply no good reason for Baltimore to be this private company's guinea pig and such a big brother-esque adventure. Miss McNutt promises he won't track people improperly or sell the information if he finds he finds to others. Facebook style. And he swears that he can't even make out the faces of individuals. People are just a few pixels on a screen, he likes to say. But he's apparently willing to follow and identify potential witnesses to crimes. Page 14 of a 51-page presentation states, Many witnesses are observed at the location of the, at the time of a crime and could be tracked if desired. Outing reluctant witnesses is not what Baltimore needs to regain trust in the police department especially the way with these crooked cops. Ms. McNutt is accused of putting words in the mouths of city uh, council members claiming he has more support than politicians, and you guys, excuse me, again, these glasses, have put forth in public. And he is now pitting Baltimore against St. Louis to ramp up the uh, stakes. He's trying to sell the system there, which had the effect of creating a false sense of urgency here for Baltimore to grab it before it's gone. While St. Louis protesters registered their outrage over such uh, suspicious tracking of everyone walking outside of the, or driving in that city last week, the lengthy PSS effort appears to be working in Maryland. The governor has endorsed the spy plan, plan as has the ABLE Foundation and the Public Safety Committee of the Greater Baltimore Committee. Now, these are all agencies that... I mean, just them supporting it would make me against it, which uh, represents business interests, non-black business interests in the region or non-small business interests in the region. We get that. They are frustrated. We've, we're frustrated. We all want the same thing. Safe city streets. I want them. Respected residents and secure uh, business owners. But a spy plane or three is not the answer. And the risk of alienating people is too great to try such a program based on a uh, um, wing and a prayer. The city police commissioner has recognized this. We wish others would as well. There simply are no quick fixes to the city's issues, which must be addressed with an unsatisfyingly slow combination of developing equitable education, employment opportunities throughout Baltimore, throughout Baltimore not just downtown, throughout Baltimore, and re- rooting the police department and solid principles of detective work and non-corrupt policing. I added the non-corrupt policing. That last bit is what led the police to arrest and charge 33-year-old uh, 
Javon Johnson Monday and the two-year-old child's tragic killing. Less than a shooting, I'm sorry, rather. Less than 72 hours after it occurred. And that's the kind of effort in policing we like to see the governor and others get behind. Not some eye-in-the-sky fantasy. It's time for city leaders to wish Mr. McNutt well and to show him the door. Look, and I, my thing is, we need more police on the street walking the beat with their feet, not the eye in the sky, okay? We don't need to be spying on the black community. We're not all guilty of crimes, and we're not all criminals. Let's go to um, Ark, Ank. Well, let's go to Ernest. Ernest has been waiting a long time. Let's go to Ernest. Go ahead, Ernest. And then we'll go to Ank. Yeah. In 1973. Gotta be quick, though, Aaron. I'm sorry, but it's almost 1057. Go ahead. I'm sorry, sir. It's 1973, they had 300 murders. 1993, they had 350. So why murders. are we panicking? <laughs> huh? We have more white people in the city, too. And why are we panicking? Why, what's the panic about? What's this emergency? See, they're trying to use well, this to get us all well, fired up and panicking. Russ <laughs> was, was being interviewed yesterday on a Sunday show. Mm hmm. And. Reverend Todd Erie asked him one question. Has this been approved in any other city or state in the United States? And Ross McNutt couldn't answer that, so he admitted that this was a, a trial. However, the Commissioner Harrison said, you can fly the plane in the sky, but we're not going to pay for it. Now, if you want to give us some information or whatever, we'll be glad to accept the information. Thank you. Thank you. Smart answer. He Smart said, answer. but we're not going to pay for it. <laughs> of course, he's already getting paid. He's getting paid by John and Laura, Laura Arnold. Arnold. Yes. And Texas. he's also working with the International Police Foundation, mm. which is, you can look it up on the Internet. These are people that are making white people, basically white people, Deciding what is good for black people, right? And they're making, <laughs> and they're making these decisions sometimes in Israel. And they're making money. They're profiting off our suffering too. They're making money off the suffering of black people. And we all want something done with the murders. We don't want murders. I don't want any more murders. But I'm not willing to just uh, panic and go for any damn thing. But, uh, but, uh, well, he was, over, he was over in Iraq, and he was. This is where this program was started from. Absolutely. It started as a surveillance program. Surveillance. And, and then it ended up being armed drones. They, they right. actually started as a surveillance Surveil program. Armed surveillance drones. only. Yeah. But the only person that uh, reported crime. The predator. In, in, in there where soldiers was killing right. innocent citizens was Chelsea Manning. It wasn't Dr. Ross McNutt. Right. Okay. So, all right, people. We still got callers. I'm sorry, everybody. We couldn't get to all of y'all. But that is the end of the show. Thanks, uh, Ernest, for calling in. You always have something interesting to say and to add as a former police officer. And um, I don't know. Let's just, uh, well, we're going to have to end this. What I'm saying is that there's no magic bullet, people. And the answer is jobs and opportunity, okay? More jobs and opportunity. You can't have one segment of society benefiting at the expense of others. The same thing's going on in Africa. They're taking all the wealth. They don't want to share any of the wealth. That's the problem. They don't want, they want, you know, and uh, you got organizations like the Greater Baltimore Committee. They don't. We know they don't benefit the black community in any way, which is six, which Baltimore six percent black. They don't benefit our businesses. We have small minority contracts that can't even get a job with the city. You know, a contract with the city government for for various reasons because they keep getting out waivers and everything else. You know, these companies could be putting young people to work. 
and our program go to for our program go to www.ballboard4homes.com. That's an economic development plan for black people in this city. It's 60% black city people. And if our politicians don't take it up, they're either uh, weak, uh, wonderstruck, or wicked. The three W's. Okay? So go to www.baltimore4homes.com to see our economic development plan. The only one out there to both save the housing in the city and put people to work. And tune back next week for another exciting edition of the Call Tyrone Show. I'm your humble host, Tyrone Boats, saying goodbye and signing off. Thank you for your time. W-O-L-B Baltimore and W-E-R-Q-F-M HD3 Baltimore. Brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Are you